We're live. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Redeeming Love Church. I'm Stephanie Pack, and I'm here on behalf of Pastor John Eckhart. And today we're going to pick up where we've been going and talk about another aspect of Jesus. And Jesus is the open door is the topic for today. And I've already warned everyone that I have so much material. This could go on to a second uh, message. I will not keep you all afternoon. Aren't you glad? So we're going to take a look. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we're actually going to look at it in actually two different translations. One, the first one is New Living Translation. And then the next one is going to be the Passion Translation. All right, so let's just take a look at this. Last week, uh, we discussed the fact of He is our Good Shepherd. And Mrs. Holder spoke to you from Psalm 23. So we're going to pick up there and move forward. All right. So right here, Father God, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus that your word is true. It is life. It is life changing. So Father, as we look into your word concerning the different aspects of your son, Jesus, we thank you that today by your Holy Spirit, you open our eyes to understand the fact that Jesus is the open door. He's the open door for us. He's in the open door for the entire world. So, Father, we thank you for it. In the precious name of Jesus, amen and amen. So, John chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 1. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Now, we'll take a look at that a little bit later. But that word gate is also translated door. So today we're going to talk about that as being a door. Um, so we're going to take a look again at John chapter 10 in verse 1. Same portion of scripture, just a little bit of a, a different perspective. And I think it will help us as we learn today. All right. John chapter 10 verse 1. Jesus said to the Pharisees, Listen to this eternal truth. The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen, rather than coming through the gate, reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. And that's really important for us to understand. But the true shepherd, remember last week you talked about that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is your true shepherd and he takes care of you from the very moment you are born until you go to be with him. 
In this it says, but the true shepherd walks right up to the gate, and because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. And when he has brought out all of his sheep, he walks ahead of them, and they will follow him, for they are familiar with his voice. But they will run away from strangers and never follow them because they know it's the voice of a stranger. Jesus told the Pharisees. Now remember, the Pharisees were the guys who were always, they were the nitty-gritty, always checking the dotted I's, the cross T's. They were always looking to trip someone up, especially Jesus. Whereas the Sadducees were those who were always trying to find a loophole in the law. The Pharisees were law, 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 law. So this is who to whom he's speaking. And he says, Jesus told the Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word of what he meant. Not one word. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truth. It's interesting to me that he made that very clear both times, both when he told the, it the first time and then when he went to explain it. This is, what we're talking about today, is an eternal truth. This is what he says. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. I am the gateway to enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. Now, I know these both say gate, but many versions say door, that Jesus is the door. And so whether we say Jesus is the gate or Jesus is the door, it's the exact same idea. So today, uh, as we walk through how he is that door, we know he's told us this eternal truth, right? He is the gate. He is the door. But then I begin to wonder, well, what is he the door to? Because if you come up to a door and you try to get in, you're actually trying to go somewhere. You're trying to enter somewhere. So what is Jesus the gate to? What is Jesus the door to? Because if we only ever acknowledge him as the gate, the door, our understanding is going to be muted. It's going to, be, it's going to get us so far and, and no more. And so I want to know where this gate takes us, where this door goes. What is he the door to? What is he the gate to? Well, the first thing I want you to know that he is the way. As you see, even in this example of the sheep and the shepherd and the gate and, and the gate rather and the sheepfold, he's actually what? He's leading them, he's guiding them. So we'll look even farther down in John. Well, we can even look right there now in John 10. And we can look in verses 9 and 10. It says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. He, you can say again, yes, I am the door. Those who come through this door will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. That's the New Living Translation. The Passion Translation in verses 9 and 10 says this. 
I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and we oftentimes say steal, kill, and destroy. This actually says steal, slaughter, and what? Destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So, he is the way into salvation. He is the way into salvation. We know in John chapter 14 it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is what I would call the port, not a port, the port of entry. So if you're traveling, and, and no matter how you're traveling, whether you're traveling by ship, whether you're traveling by plane, you're going to have to go through a port of entry. There is only one way to get where you're going, and it's through one specific place. So Jesus, we've heard, he is the door, he is the gate, he is the way, he is the port of entry. He's the one and the only one who gives access to what is behind the door, what is behind the gate. I don't know if any of you have ever been fortunate enough to have what's called an all-access pass, whether you're going to a concert or a conference, whatever. It means that you can go anywhere within that place. You can open up any door you want to. You can do any of that. Now, I have a nephew who worked for a football team here in Kentucky for one of the universities, and he was on the video squad. And so he filmed practices, but he also went and filmed games. And it didn't matter where they were playing, he received one of these all-access passes. Well, just let me tell you, he would always take advantage of these all-access passes because we would get photographs of places that most people never got to receive. So Jesus is not only the gate, the way, the port of entry. He's the one who can give you an all-access pass to life. Lastly, he's also the doorkeeper. Remember at the very beginning in John chapter 10, there's, there's the one who ensures that the right folks, or in this situation, the right sheep are where they're supposed to be. So what does he lead us to first? The very first thing he leads us to is salvation. So Jesus is the gate, the door, the port of entry, the one who can give you an all-access pass to salvation. So I'm going to give you several scriptures. So I'm going to, whether you're at home or whether you're here, I'm going to encourage you, write these down. We're going to go through them pretty quickly just because of time. But you can always go back and study them, pull them apart, and look at them additionally in the week ahead. Okay? So the first one is Matthew, the very beginning of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1. We're going all the way back to the beginning. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to hit on verse 21, but I'm going to have us start in verse 18. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, 
She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Verse 21. This is where we want to look today. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus for, and this is for this reason, you could say, he will save his people from their sins. So even if you look from his natural beginning, it is clear all the way through the New Testament that Jesus is the way for the saving of sins, for salvation. So that's the first one. So he is the open door to salvation. He is the one who came to provide our salvation. Then let's go to one that everybody has probably heard, whether they've been in the church or not in the church, and that's John 3, 16 and 17. And I know this was referenced last week, but this is important for us to understand. There is only one, capital O-N-E, who can lead you to salvation. Today in our world, there are many people who believe that there's more than one way to salvation. There's more than one way to get there. There's more than one religion that will get you there. There's more than one prophet that will get you there. There's more than one teacher that will get you there. But we who calls our, call ourselves Christians who follow after Christ know that he said that there is only one way to the Father, and that is through him, right? So in this, let's look at John 3, 16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son. So we're talking about God the Father and God the Son. So that for the reason that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world. So in this verse, as well as the first verse that we talked about, eternal life and salvation are linked inextricably together. So when you're going through the word and you see eternal life, you could place in its stead salvation. They're inextricably linked. If you want eternal life, then you're talking about salvation. So again, Jesus is the door to salvation. Now we... The first one we looked at was Matthew chapter 1, and that is when the Messiah was on the way. But we can see in John 3, 16 and 17 that this has been a plan for a long time. It didn't just come up one day, all right? He, the Lord didn't wait until Joseph and Mary were already engaged and getting ready to be married to go, ah, okay, huh, I wonder how I can use this situation. no. The need for a Savior had been well documented throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. And Jesus is the door. He is the gate. He is the port of entry for salvation. Let's take a look. We already looked at John 10, 9, and 10. So uh, we don't have to go there. But I do think we should look at John chapter 4. 
in verse 42. And this is around the, the, this whole entire portion of scripture is around the Samaritan woman who was at the well and Jesus had a spiritual conversation with her. When she went away from there and she started telling those in her village about the one to whom she spoke, who told her all about herself, this is what they had to say in John chapter 4 and verse 42. Well, we can take a look even going back to verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. So this whole premise of everything we're going to be discussing is the fact that they believed in Jesus. What did they believe? It says they believed because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message. Now that word message could also be said his gospel, right? That good message, that message that comes forth. They heard his message for two days. Verse 42. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because what we have heard from him ourselves. What did they believe? Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. So you see God planning that Jesus is the Savior. You see that an angel shares with Joseph that this coming baby is the the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world. You see that people, when they begin to hear his message, that they respond and say, we believe because we now know that he is the Savior of the world. Again, Jesus is the open door. He is the gate. He is the port of entry to salvation. Let's take a look at... John um, 17, John 17. And the reason why I'm spending time with this is because you know and I know that the word tells us that we're to have an answer when someone asks us a question about why we believe what we believe. Why do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Why do we believe that he is the Savior of the world? Why do I believe, why do you believe that he is the only way to be saved? So all of this uh, is information and tools for each one of us to use so that when someone does ask, and we're believing that they do, that we will have an answer based on scripture, not just kind of, well, that's just the way it is. Because they're going to want to know too. Remember, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she went and told these folks about Jesus, but they're the ones who asked him to stay and share his message. He stayed two days, and it was after they had heard the message that they believed, that they stated, we believe because we see, we now know that he is the Savior of the world. So in John 17, verses 1 through 3, this is the beginning of what we look at and say is the prayer of Jesus. This is part of Jesus' prayer during his time in the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, so you can place it in context. It says, After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you 
have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life. Now, what did I say were the two words or those two phrases that are inextricably linked? Eternal life and salvation. So in this, he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. So he's speaking in the third person. This is Jesus himself saying to the Lord, basically, I give eternal life to every person you have given me. And verse 3, and this is the way to have eternal life. This is the way to achieve or receive salvation. What does he say? To know you. To know who? The Father. God the Father. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So again, he is the gate. He is the door. He is the only port of entry. He is the one that gives you an all-access pass to salvation, to eternal life. So whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching and you're like, but I've never had anyone tell me this before. I don't know what you're talking about. I want to make sure at the beginning of our service today that you have the opportunity to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. For you to act just like those people of Samaria to say, we've heard the message. Now we believe. What do they believe? What did they believe? What can you believe? That Jesus is the Son of God, but that he is the Savior that you need. So let's take it Romans. Look at Romans 10, 9 and 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. You can take this one all the way, as we always said as kids, to the bank. So if anyone asks each one of us why we have the assurance that we are saved, and they say, but I want to be saved, the easiest place for you to take them is Romans 10, 9 and 10. So all of us should know this by heart. We should know where to find it. If they're like, oh, well, that's what you say, but show it to me in the Bible. Romans 10, 9, and 10. All right? And it goes back to the very end of verse 8. And that message, what? The message of Jesus Christ is the very message about faith that we preach. What is that message? What was the message that Jesus was preaching and teaching? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus, no one else, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not you might be. It's not that you can put your number in and see if it comes up. It's not if you do enough works, if you do enough good deeds, if you know the right people, if you were born into the right family. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says this, if you... You being one single person, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Jesus is the only one who can do this for us. He is our open door. He's not the closed door. He's the open door. It says, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So we've gone from you will be saved 
to you are saved. So if you're listening to me or you're watching me today and you're not saved and you want to be, you know that you're in need of a Savior, one who's going to give you an all-access pass to salvation, I'm going to encourage you right now to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. Do it right now. Don't wait. Amen? So in looking at this, we have one more verse of Scripture in 1 John chapter 4. And I want it to sink down into our hearts I want it to lodge permanently in, in these brains of ours that he is, Jesus is the open door. He is the open gate to salvation. 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to be looking in verses 14 and 15. 14 and 15. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes, remember this is... John, the disciple, the one who walked with Jesus, the one who knew Jesus, the one who was his best friend, the one who would, they would lean on each other. They were best buds. This is who's writing this to us. And it says here, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who confess, not some Again, not if you've done good things, not if you're in the right family, not if you were raised in the right place at the right time with the right people, not if you have a certain amount of money in your bank account or you don't. It says, all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. So again, Jesus is the open door to salvation. My salvation your salvation, each one of us. The only way that we can honestly, in truth. Now remember how Jesus approached John chapter 10 in speaking to the Pharisees. I'm telling you what, an actual truth, he said. So this actual truth is the way that I know that I'm saved is because I have accepted the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and he's the way for me to receive salvation. All right? So sozo. I know this was discussed last week. If you were here last week or you watched last week, if you didn't, I would encourage you to go back and watch. But that Greek word sozo actually means salvation. So Oftentimes, and maybe even the first time that we heard about say, salvation, it was just stated eternal life, heaven or hell. Do you want to spend the, your eternity, right? Because we're made in the likeness and image of God, according to Genesis chapter 1. We were born as eternal beings. Our choice is do we want to live in life or do we want to live in death? And if the Lord is life, and we see in Job chapter 1 that Jesus is referenced as life and light, then we're going to have to follow him. We are all eternal beings. So I'm sure all of us have heard what, you know, some people call, you know, a, a hellfire and damnation service, message. And it's just, do you want to go to hell or do you want to go to heaven? But what I'm going to share with you and remind you is that salvation encapsulates much more than just walking through the door into heaven. That's one aspect, but there's more. So, 
It means to save, to make whole, to heal, to preserve, to make well, that nothing is missing, nothing is broken. You can say deliver, protect, preserve, to rescue from danger or destruction. All of these things make up that Greek word sozo. So salvation for me and for you is so much more. It's hard to believe that there's more than heaven, but there is. There's so much more in this life when Jesus came to offer us salvation. And so we're going to take a brief look at that today and keep going on. But we're going to find this through each of the points that I'm going to bring out to you about Jesus as an open door. So first and foremost, we see that he is the open gate or the open door to salvation. But then what does that do for us? Well, that means that we now have an open door to the Father God. Because of Jesus and the work of Jesus, it's not just an open door that we get to heaven, but we now have access, we now have a relationship with the Father God. Just as Adam used to walk with God in the cool of the evening in the garden, and there was nothing that blocked their relationship, so when we receive salvation, when we receive this sozo, we also have other blessings given to us and for me is that I have an open door to the Father to the one true God John 14 if we look back at John 14 and I know this is a lot of scripture but I feel very very sure in saying that there is a reason why the Lord gave me all this scripture to to me for you And that is, we are in a day and time where I believe that you are going to have more and more people who are going to be asking you directly for hope. They're going to be asking you to help them. And if you just have a knowing that you're saved, that's wonderful because you have that knowing in your heart. But how much better is to take someone else with you? that you can answer their questions, and you can lead them to the one who can also take them through that door of salvation. So John chapter 14 and verse 6, which I've already talked about, but it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, Oftentimes, that's used just for us to understand salvation. But I'm going to go that step further and say, okay, but remember that. Once you receive salvation, you have access to the Father. Because you've actually gotten to the Father through Jesus. So, you can also have a relationship with your Father God. There's so much more than just saying, I'm going to heaven. I want every single person who hears this to go to heaven. But I also want each one of us to live in such a way that we live a full life. That salvation for us is preservation, protection, healing, health, wholeness, restoration, everything that we need. And one of those things is to know that we now have access to the Father. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. 
This very chapter is actually titled, Faith, Faith in Whom? Faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that through Him you receive salvation. This says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, that means that God the Father and I, or God the Father and us, all of us, that we've now been made right with Him. There's nothing that stands between Him and us any longer. Jesus' work on the cross erased what stood between us. Because of Jesus, because of the salvation that we are given through him, that door that we can walk in, we now have access to the Father. Why? Because we have been made right. I didn't have to wait until I got right. I was made right because of what Jesus did for me. So this again says that since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. This is peace with God the Father. Why? Why can we say that? Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So because we received Jesus as our Savior. We now have peace with God the Father. You can have a relationship with Him. There is nothing that stands between you and God the Father. Romans chapter 8, same, same chapter. I mean, same book. Romans 8. So what I'm trying to do again, remember, we're proving out that Jesus is our open door. That when we choose to walk through Jesus, when he gives us access, and the first thing he gives us access to is salvation, but when we do that, there's even more that he is our door to receiving. So the very first thing that, that we receive is access once again to our Father. Remember Genesis when there was sin, when deception came in through Satan, and he got Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Adam followed right along, what happened? A separation occurred. Because of Jesus, there is now no, no longer a separation between me, between you, and God the Father, if you've walked through that first door of salvation. And that door is Jesus. So if we take a look at that at Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy in Hebrew. It's the daddy where you see a little kid crawl up in her daddy's lap or a little boy crawl up in his daddy's lap and tells him all about his day, tells him the things that are wonderful and tells him the things that are awful and expects that daddy will fix the situation or daddy will be pleased or happy and joyous with whatever's occurred in life. How do we have a relationship with the father? Because he has adopted us. He's adopted us. 
Now, I have friends who were adopted, and I have friends who have adopted children of their own. And the thing is, is that once that adoption takes place, that old name ceases to exist. It ceases to exist. No one is ever going to be able to find that person based upon their old name. They now have a new name. They have a new family. They have a new relationship. So we can say because of Jesus, because of the door of salvation or to salvation, we now have been adopted into the Father's family. We can call him Daddy. We can call him Daddy. He's ours. Lastly for this is because, just like I said, that Abba Father, that Abba gives us the impression of a child crawling up in his or her daddy's lap. Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 4. Now again, I could have just told you all of this without taking you there to each of these scriptures, but I believe it's important for us to know how to lead someone else through this exact same message. So Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to look in verse 16. But let's start in verse 14. And the title for this section of Scripture, at least in the New Living Translation, is Christ our High Priest. So then, since we have a great high priest, Jesus is our great high priest. He goes before us. Who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Remember, Jesus was the perfect lamb, right? His perfect blood shed for you and for me on that cross where he took the sin of the world upon himself enables us to have salvation, enables us to be, have been made right with God. So we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, we could say because of Christ Jesus. Verse 16, I, I don't, can't even tell you how often I actually quote this scripture when I'm going to the Lord in prayer, when I'm bringing something to him, when I'm sharing with someone else, will you allow me to pray for you? And that is this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The King James Version talks about that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. You have that all access pass to the throne, the very throne of God because of Jesus. So we know that Jesus is our gate he is our port of entry. He is our door. He is the one who gives us all access to salvation, to Father God. And now the next thing is he is the open door to the very spirit of God. You need to know that when we reference the Father, the Son, the Spirit, you cannot pull out Jesus and forget about the Father and the Spirit. Because, folks, there are people who believe that you can. That somehow in Jesus' coming, he 
not did away with, but in other words, Father God is no longer important. But I'm going to tell you, we need our Father God, and we need His Holy Spirit. Whose Spirit? Jesus' very own Spirit. We're going to take a look at that. All right? So, we're talking about the open door to the Spirit. John 14. We could just camp out in this, pull it apart. John 14 again. And this is Jesus himself teaching his disciples. We're going to look in verses 6, let's see, 16 and 17. This is Jesus preparing his disciples for his going away, for his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. He's preparing them that his time is come. It's coming. It's upon them. And he says this to them, in a little while... You won't see me anymore. Flesh and blood me. That's what this means. You will not see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Well, talk about scratching the head and not knowing what this means. But this is what verse 17 says. Some of the disciples asked each other, What does he mean when he says, In a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me? What does it mean when he says, I'm going to the Father? What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. I can, I can perfectly get on board with the fact that they did not understand what Jesus was saying to them. And then Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but in a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth. And then he talks about there's going to be reaping, weeping, but then there's going to be joy. Verse 22. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice. So this whole entire conversation between Jesus and his disciples is a going to be. He's telling them all of this information I'm giving you is for your benefit and it is good. And I'm sorry, but I was reading in John 16. So we're going to go back to John 14. All of the information that I gave you was the actual truth, I promise. 14 and verse 16. Well, we can go to 15. If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, obey my commandments, and I, Jesus, will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Verse 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So right there, at the beginning, this is going to be a very difficult, I'll just backtrack a little bit. This is going to be a very difficult conversation. We saw the end of it just a minute ago, but it's going to be difficult, but there's joy at the end. Why? Because Jesus says, if I go away, I, Jesus, your door to salvation, I am going to ask the Father to send you an advocate, one who will speak on your behalf, and he is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so if we go to John 16, which is where, uh, unfortunately, I went first, Verses 5 and 7 says this. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. Who sent Jesus, the Father. 
and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because what I've told you, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Who's speaking again? Jesus. So Jesus himself sent us the Holy Spirit. So it is through Jesus we receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now remember, two different works. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the very Spirit of God within us. He lives in us. He dwells in us. We will not see that if we don't come to Jesus. So Jesus is the open door to salvation. He is the open door to the Father. And he is the open door to the Spirit. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And I'm aware of the time. So again, I can always unhook the train and pick it back up again at a later date. But the most important thing that you need to know is that Jesus is the open door to salvation, which brings you to the Father, and that is how you receive the very Spirit of God living and dwelling on the inside of you. All right? Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19. Verse 19. For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. This is Paul speaking to the Philippians. So Paul is saying not that not only Jesus himself, it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of Jesus Christ. So just as eternal life is linked with salvation, so, if you're referencing the Holy Spirit, if you see the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Jesus Christ, we're talking about the exact same thing. So, when we're referencing the Holy Spirit, we are referencing the very Spirit of Jesus. Now, this would cause you to really better understand what he was saying to the disciples. Because he was only one physical being as he walked this earth as we see the gospels all the way through the first chapter of acts there was only one jesus if you didn't see him if you didn't hear from him it was his message his laying on of hands his working of miracles but he said it's better that i go away because i'm going to send the very spirit of truth the very spirit of god to you how can we receive the Spirit? Because Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father. So, I want you to make sure that as you're reading Scripture that you understand when we see the words, the Holy Spirit, it is the exact same thing as when you see the words, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We have Jesus then dwelling on the inside of us. That's why you even hear Sunday school teachers say, to children, is Jesus living in your heart? Now, when I was a missionary in Ireland, I had little four-year-olds, part of what I did, and one of the little four-year-olds had accepted Jesus with his mother 
just a few days before. And so he was wanting to tell everybody during our circle time. Well, one of the other little boys, whose name was Daniel, of course, he's a grown man now, he lifts up his shirt and he goes, well, Jesus isn't inside my heart. But for you and for me, if we've walked through the open door of salvation because of Jesus, then we too have received his self-same spirit within us. Does that make sense? All right, and you can also see this. Uh, we already looked at John 16. You can also see this in Acts chapter 16. So if you're wondering about that, is that the only place? You know, we want to see more than one scripture oftentimes to ensure that we understand what the Lord is saying to us. So in Acts 16, you're going to see the exact same thing. Um, let's see here, one more page over. All right, so we'll, this is Paul's call to Macedonia as a missionary. If we look in verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So we're already speaking, what? Of the Holy Spirit. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, who, who kept them from preaching in a certain place? The Holy Spirit. In this, they're taking journey. They're taking a journey. And it says again, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. This tells us for sure that when we see either the Holy Spirit or we see the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Jesus Christ, we're talking about one in the self-same thing or one in the self-same person, right? The person of the Holy Spirit. And then there's one more, and it reads a little bit differently, but it is in Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 4. And I think, again, why is this important? Why am I spending my time? Is that people need to know the full gospel, the full message of Jesus, and we as believers should be able to lead them through those doors. Amen? So Galatians chapter 4 in verse 6. And because we are his children, whose children? God the Father's children. Because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Okay? So the spirit of his son, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit all refer to the same person. The only way that we can receive the Holy Spirit is because Jesus is the gate, is the door, is the port of entry, is the one who gives all access to salvation. Amen? Let's take a look at two more scriptures, and then I'm going to close for today because this is a lot of information. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It would help if I went to Corinthians and not Colossians. Chapter 3 and verse 16. Don't you realize that all of you together, 
And we could say all of us together here in this church, we could say all of us together in Christendom, in all of Christianity, could fall right here. Do you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the what? The spirit of God lives in you. Okay, so we have the Holy Spirit. We have the spirit of Jesus Christ. We have the spirit of the Son of God. And then right here it says, the Spirit of God lives in you. This should also help you if you are having a conversation with someone about the Trinity, about three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen? One person. And then lastly, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. My hope is that when we walk away today, that we will have a better foundation for why we believe what we believe. And if you were one of the ones who came to Romans 10, 9, and 10 for the first time or are coming back to the Lord, that you would have a better foundation, a better root system, as it were. I keep stopping and talking and not getting to where I need to be. So 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14. And we'll start in verse 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, who he mentored. He brought him up beside him. It says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Who lives within us? We already found out as we looked all the way through Scripture that it's the very Spirit of Jesus Christ, the very Spirit of the Son of God, the very Spirit of God who dwells within us because we've walked through that open door of salvation that was made possible for us because of the work of Jesus Christ says, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So this is where we're going to leave off today. And I'm going to say that each one of us in today's world, in today's society, if Paul was saying to Timothy, a minister of the gospel, who he had raised up, if he was saying to him that you need to protect and guard this truth within you, how much more do we in today's world need to protect the truth of this message? We should not be swayed. We need the Lord. We need to have a relationship with our Father. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Go back and look in John 14 and John 16 to see who the Holy Spirit is to us, for us, why it's important that we recognize it's not that just God dwells in us, but his very power resides within us. His wisdom, his understanding, his teaching, his compassion, right? We could go and look at Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. This is what we're referencing when we say the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We need to know this. Or we're going to live so much lower 
than what the Lord desires for us. In other words, we'll get to heaven, we'll walk across the threshold of heaven when we die, but why would we want to live less than what he's provided for us? We have a relationship with the very Spirit of God, the very Spirit of Jesus Christ who dwells within us, whose fruit should be seen in our lives. We can't, just as Paul is saying to Timothy, guard this truth, guard this knowledge so that you do not lose sight. Walk in everything that Jesus has provided for you. So again, as we close, Jesus is our open door. He is the open door, the only open door. He's just not the door. He's that open door, that all access to us, to have our salvation, to have eternal life, but to also once again regain a relationship with our Father and to know that we have the very Spirit of God, the very Spirit of Jesus dwelling on the inside of us in His fullness. Don't lose sight of that right here again it says through the power of the holy spirit who lives within us carefully guard carefully guard remember the shepherd guards the sheep pen right he protects his sheep he knows who's supposed to go in who's supposed to be out who's the one that jumps over into the sheep pen doesn't go in by the gate the enemy so we do have an enemy. So we need to specifically guard our hearts, guard the knowledge that the very spirit, the very power of God himself dwells within us. Amen? So the next time that we get together, if I have the opportunity, we're going to talk about the other things that are available to us. And I'm just going to give you a few of them to give you a sneak peek. He's our open door to love because God is love. He is our open door to protection and deliverance and safety. He is our open door to provision. He is our open door to ministry, to service, to opportunity. He is our open door of blessing and favor. He is our open door to wisdom and understanding. And lastly, but never least, right? He is our open door to heaven. All these things are available to us because of Jesus, the door, the gate. He is our port of entry into that John 10.10 life, abundance. Who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? It's our adversary, Satan. Jesus, the one who dwells within us, is the one who gives us life, life abundant. Remember, in the Passion Translation, oh, i got to put my glasses on. The Passion Translation says, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. I'm sure all of us know people who are simply not satisfied with life. Who is their answer? Jesus. Who's the one that can not only take them to heaven, 
but to be satisfied in this life right now, Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity to open your word. I thank you, Lord, that uh, as each of us have opened scriptures, that by your Holy Spirit, by the very Spirit of Jesus Christ, you have been teaching us about the open door of Jesus, who he is for us, what he does for us, to whom he takes us. So, Father God, I thank you that because of the work of Jesus Christ, I have access to you, my Father. I thank you, Lord, because of the work of Jesus Christ, I have the very Spirit of God, the very Spirit of Jesus, your Son, dwelling within me. I thank you, Father, that because that Jesus is the open door, I have a sozo salvation. I thank you that I'm graced, I'm protected, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm preserved. This is what you promised me. So, Lord, I thank you that this is not anything that I have, anything that I've done, anything that I will do, but that I have been made in right standing with you. I've been made righteous because of Jesus himself. So, Father, I just lift my hands and I thank you and I glorify your name that Jesus brought glory to you and he allows me to call you Abba, Father. You are my daddy. So we thank you for it in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.
finish gathering together, it's time for our opportunity to worship the Lord in our tithes and our offerings. And so I would thank you that, uh, are you available? Thanks, can be our usher today. And uh, we know how we do that here. But I just want to encourage you this week. See, we prove God. Lord, Our Lord God tells us, prove me with your tithes and offerings. If I will not open.